All right, episode seven of The Empty Moments with yours truly, Stone. I think proceeding forward, I'm going to do a recap of the prior episode based upon the kind of reception and reaction I get. And I got a quality amount of reaction based off the last episode regarding the Satanic Church. Got some good interaction off the Instagram. My handle is the name of the podcast you've downloaded, and thank you for listening. And that is The Empty Moments. No dots, no spaces, no dashes, no apostrophes, no pentagrams, no special icons whatsoever. All you gotta do is type The Empty Moments. Go! There you are. And you'll see the same icon you see on the Instagram as the cover of this podcast. Whew! No break there. But I got a couple of really good... Uh, satanic followers to message me and comment on the posts I made on Instagram and uh, really really good interaction I don't want to summarize what they wrote they wrote very well written eloquent posts and I think the best way for me to properly do what they wrote justice is for you to just check out what they wrote if you're interested Um, I don't want to say their handles because I think both of them have private accounts and I think it's kind of weird to go from one platform to another, go from a social media app and then kind of blast them on a podcast. I don't really feel comfortable doing that. And also they wrote very, very long uh, comments. So I don't want to just read them verbatim because that's just boring. Not that their posts were boring, I don't want to give off that message, but reading a multi-sentence post to you is bleh, that's boring. But one individual who came to me first, he had really, really good points. He was a contrarian to what I stated on the last week's show. And that is that the church isn't exactly how I showed it. And he kind of went to great detail regarding the differences within the satanic belief. There are multiple sects. And that is just like any religion. You have, within like, example, uh, Islamic, you have two major sects. You have the Sunnis. I don't think I said that right. The Sunnis and the Shiites. And you have a couple others in there too, but those are the, the big two. Same thing with Christianity. There's the big two. There is Christianity and Catholicism. And then within there, there's a bunch of different sects. There's Pentecostal. There is uh, Calvinists. There is Protestants. So Baptists, those are things we're more familiar with. And we recognize there's a bunch of different ones. And it sounds like, from what I was told by this very intellectual satanic follower, he, there are two major sects. There's the Church of uh, Satan and then there's the TST. I don't remember what TST stands for off the top of my head. So let me try to Google that as I'm recording now, which is not the best way to do things, but I am already committed to this cause. So I am going to do it now. And I am really kind of just filling time. There we go. The Satanic Temple. And that is founded in 2013. So, uh, and I believe the Church of Satan was 1966. Church of Satan. Let's see when that was established. 
Let's see. Yeah, 1966. I remembered that somehow, some way. So he kind of went over the differences between the two. He said, I focused on the church of Satan when it's not the only option, which is a very valid point. He also said that I was kind of, hmm, placated to stereotypes. That might be true, too. He also said that the documentary called Hail Satan is not an accurate portrayal. It's very politically based, based off the people who were the main characters in that documentary. And I would say to that, it's a very, very valid point. And that's something I neglected to properly go over on the last pod. Every documentary is biased. They're trying to portray a particular type of message. They want you to feel a particular kind of way. And oftentimes, documentary makers neglect or overlook or just straight out don't want to include certain types of information, certain types of viewpoints, because it doesn't follow a good story. They have a arc they want to portray, just like a movie, just like a TV show. Example, let's think of Game of Thrones. Let's think about how bad the last season was. Why? Because they neglected to spend the proper amount of time, and they sped through things and glossed over a lot of details that we spend a lot of time being invested in. And that's what documentaries do too. They want you to be invested what they feel is the best story. And then you, if you really need to or want to, need to dig deeper, just like any news source we see now. If you read something off MSNBC, it might be more left-leaning and you kind of have to go to the right and then kind of see what overlaps. It sucks that we have to do that to obtain the proper amount of unbiased information. The same thing applies with documentaries because the documentary maker may say they're unbiased, but in actuality, most of the time, they are not. And I failed to go over that properly. So that particular Instagram satanic follower who messaged me, excuse me, not message, he posted on my post, commented, did a great job explaining that to me, and I agreed with him on that. And then I had a second individual who said, I understand why you believe the way you believe. I understand a lot. He agreed with a lot of what I said. Um, and there wasn't much anything critical in that. And he kind of said, I'm low-key when I'm out and about, especially at work, because I don't want people I work with to know what I believe in. And I think that should be held true for any type of religion. But unfortunately, and this is one thing that the Church of Satan, the satanic people are trying to make their their focal point, is it shouldn't be acceptable to wear a cross to work. If you might get looks, you might get, you know, bad attention if you wear a pentagram necklace to work. And if you wear the Star of David, you might not get the same kind of reaction as you were if you were to wear the crescent moon that Islam uses. So there are double standards when it comes to religion and and symbolic items. And I think that's one of the main items, the main goals that the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple want to make a big deal out of. And I agree, that should be a big deal. I don't agree that there are double standards. I think it's bullshit. I don't want to try to be coy about it. So I, I agree with their stance. That's a good message. But overall, again, 
I want to preface it. The name Satanist sucks. The name really matters. Names matter. I can't sugarcoat it. I will give you multiple examples of when names matter. Here's one example through multiple avenues. In the NFL, the National Football League, the Washington Redskins are going to remove Redskins as their name. They're going to remove the icon after, I don't know, decades of being the Washington football team named the Redskins. They're officially changing that name because it's perceived as racist, and I think it is. So now I believe they're going to be used uh, the Washington football team. I don't know. I don't think there's a much of a push for a name to be announced because who knows if football's coming back this year. But that's one example of when a name matters because after lots of years of trials and tribulation from people saying, hey, stop using this name. It's incredibly racist. Let's see. I know in my neck of the woods in Orange County, California, uh, the local airport here, John Wayne Airport, a lot of people want to change the name. They wanted to go back to the original name of Orange County Airport, which makes a lot more sense to me. But nonetheless, because John Wayne had an interview from, I think, 1967 or 71 in that, you know, 50 year or so range where he said some quite insensitive things about gay and black people. So... I think what he said does not hold up well. It was not cut. It was written. It was complete sentences. It was multiple sentences. So it was not a snippet of a long interview. It was a very complex, detailed statement that he made. And I don't want to go into the details of that. But I think another example of when names matter. And obviously there's very obvious occasions when Names matter. If you call a gay man the F word, very offensive. If you call a black person the N word, incredibly offensive, especially in 2020. Names have never mattered more than in 2020. There is a whole movement now regarding names, regarding double standards, regarding when certain names are acceptable and when some aren't. So for the satanic followers to say, I get why they say the name doesn't matter but it does matter and for you to pretend like it doesn't is simply foolish i would love of this church of satan and the satanic temple to deviate from solely using satan if satan is not the deity that the other religions use you're just using that to placate your message find a new way to placate that message because you're not just trolling people who are your enemy you are trolling everybody and people like me who are not your enemy find it annoying you're not offending me you're annoying me and i think that's you're gone too far to the right that you're annoying everybody and the people who may be your allies what could be me are annoyed by the way you're handling things because to me you're just trolling your enemy to the point where i might even feel sympathy towards those people who i don't agree with as much as i was agree with you because they're not trolling they're not as aggressive with their message that's what i would like to end my recap regarding the church of satan 
the satanic belief. Um, I think it has a lot of good points, but I think if you skewed the message just a bit, you guys would be way more accepted, get a lot more better attention, and I think you guys would be taken a lot more seriously if you toned down trying to piss people off all the time. Because that's the vibe I get. Not everybody, as the Instagram followers mentioned to me, not everybody's like that. A lot of them live very basic lives and they keep this under the radar. But at the same time, you keep it under the radar more than you probably want to because you don't want to get slammed at work. You don't want to be ridiculed. You don't want to have, you know, backlash. So, I mean, obviously that would take a long time to be accepted, but the name itself is the biggest barrier of entry to be taken seriously. And that is something that is very easy to change. What to change to, I don't know. I'm not gonna give any suggestions because I don't know the religion well enough to properly figure out what a second name would be best. Like what would the, if God wasn't called God in the Christianity world, what would he be called? The Holy Spirit, that's a second applicable name. I don't know a second good name for the satanic belief. So feel free, any satanic followers still listening, feel free to come up with a better name. Because I'm sure this has come up before. I can't just be coming this idea of just bringing it up out of nowhere. I'm just trying to give you an outsider's approach who is not full of hate, who is not making fun of you, who is open-minded, who's looking at this as unbiased as can be. Um, maybe I'm giving a recommendation that you may think is stupid, but maybe it's a recommendation that from an outside party, because this is what businesses do. They hire outside vendors to look at their business and give recommendations. And I'm trying to do that pretty much for the church's saying. And you might be saying, no one asked you to do this. And I would say you're 100% right. Yeah, I did not. You did not ask any person, some random person on a podcast to do that. But I've done it and... Why not? If not now, when? 2020 is the year to change things. Maybe change things for the better and maybe things would grow faster. Just a thought. So, gonna get to the new topic on this podcast after spending damn near 15 minutes talking about the last podcast. So, if you're still listening, I really recommend listening to the last podcast if you haven't. That way you can kind of understand what I said, even though I spent 15 minutes talking about it. Nonetheless, <sighs> let me talk about something I am familiar with, and that is being a sperm donor. I have been a sperm donor for four to five months now. I'll go over the process. That way, if you're interested in this or if you'd like to get more information, you can feel free to contact me DM me probably. I'm not sure if you want to comment on this topic, but feel free to message me, The Empty Moments Instagram. I don't need to say that all over again. But uh, I wanted to bring this up because I'm going to give you a lot of information. And then I received an email a few days ago regarding a contingency that I could sign up for. So I'm curious. I'm not sure how I feel about this. So I would love for you listening to think message me regarding your thoughts 
on what I should do. Because right now I'm 50-50. But before I get there, let's go back to the beginning of the process. So I just Googled it. I Googled sperm donor near me. I, found it. I wanted to find something else I could make some extra money at. And at the same time, I was curious to see if I could qualify. You have to be, you have to fill a certain type of quota to be approved. You have to be healthy. You have to follow a certain uh, age and weight and height requirement. If you're under 5'8", you can't be a sperm donor. I know it sucks if you're like 5'7". Already it sucks being 5'7", and then now you can't even become a sperm donor. You can't weigh, uh, you can't be fat. I'm trying to find a nice way to put it. You just can't be fat. That's, that's the requirement. Uh, I believe, if I remember right now, it's been like six months since I did the initial application. Actually, it's been eight months. I did it at the end of 2019. I'm pretty sure you can't be bald. So there's a lot of men that don't qualify. You also, once you fill out the application, you have to do a test sample. And obviously what I mean is you have to jerk off into a cup. So I went to a facility in, I'm not gonna say the city because I don't need you to know where I'm doing things, but I went to facility and uh, you have to jerk off into a cup in a restroom, which is very awkward because people can hear you. The fans are not that loud. So you have to plan ahead and then you have to become comfortable with doing that in public. And for some people, they might love that idea. They might be, oh wow, I'm gonna get paid to jerk off in public. I will relish this opportunity to get paid to do so. Me? Not so much, not really my cup of tea. So, I did a few test samples, three of them to be exact. Uh, the first one was solid, they wanted to do a second one. The second one was not as strong. I believe I was tired that day. And what I mean by strong is they're looking for at least 80 million sperm count in each sample. I don't know the, you know, the ounces and grams and what, how they measure, but they're looking for 80 million. They said to me, I only had 40 to 35 million in the second sample, which they said is average, which is fair. Like it's not like I'm an unhealthy, but they're looking for at least 80 million, preferably 100 million, because my first sample had 100 million, and they said that's a top tier donation because they want stronger donation in the sperm because their people are paying to get pregnant, and the better the sperm, the more likely insemination is possible. It makes sense, right? So uh, I went again and gave a third sample and that was like 80, 90 million, I believe it was. So all good. After that, I had to fill out about a 40 page questionnaire and it goes really deep into your background about your family, which I had some trepidation about. I'm not the biggest fan of releasing information about my immediate family because I'm a private person. Hence my name being Stone. Heads up, not my real name. But again, not 100% fake. So. I can talk about myself, I'm fine about my background, but once you get my family involved, I kind of hesitate a bit. But I went ahead and do so, I did so, I wasn't as detailed about them as I was about me. Uh, kind of going to details regarding examples I know off the top of my head is like, are you good at, I'd rate yourself out of a 10, how good are you at drawing? I'm like a two out of 10, horrible drawer. Uh, how good are you with computers? Pretty solid. How good are you with like being a mechanic? Horrible. How good are you with, you know, putting up a fence, putting up a fence, eh, middle of the road. So these were the kind of questions, um, amplitude regarding different kinds of topics. And then 
why are you doing this? What are your goals? Blah, blah, blah. How would you rate your appearance? Things like this. So it was very long. It took me a couple hours to complete the application, honestly. And then after that, you do a uh, physical, make sure that everything's you know healthy with you. And then you do a blood test and they took out six to eight vials of blood, which is quite a bit and everything passed. So they did a genetic test and they just checked everything overall with my blood, make sure I'm healthy and then also check for genetic stuff. And pretty much it's one of those things that no news is good news. So I cleared and I started giving donations a few weeks before COVID started, end of February, early March. So it's been interesting because I'm still doing those donations during the COVID times. I did it for a few weeks. I wasn't sure if the office was open, but uh, I'm going once a week. I was going twice a week for a while, but the uh, healthiness of my donations uh, was affected once I started going twice a week. So I've only been going once a week for the last few months. And each donation, I make $40 at that time. And in six months, once they test the sample again, verify it's still strong, I will get an additional 40 bucks. Make sure you read the fine print if you are interested in doing this because that amount was not the amount on the fine print. Obviously, you wanna read the fine print on any kind contract. More so with this, because it's immediate. Uh, I am on a six month renewal contract and if everything's good, once they retest everything in the six month mark, then I could sign up to do it again, an extension on the six month contract. So the minimum, the maximum is one year. So that's what I've been doing. It comes up to about 200 bucks a month. So it's kind of cool to get paid to, uh, I don't know how, there's no easy way to say this. I get paid to jerk off. Yeah, you know, 16 year old me would have been ecstatic saying that out loud. Um, but, you know, I can't, be willy-nilly, I do have to uh, abstinence myself for a few days, so I can't meet up with a lady friend in, on a Monday and then do a donation on a Tuesday. My count will be low. I have to wait a few days. I have to build up the reserve, trying to think of ways not to be incredibly super gross about that. So you do have to plan it out, and that's the problem why I was doing once a week versus twice a week, because twice a week was difficult for a multitude of reasons because I do have a social life and you could figure out what that means. So yeah, I am doing once a week. And now to the email, the uh, much anticipated introduction of this email. So I got an email on Tuesday, excuse me, Thursday, uh, from the administrator saying they are now wanting to do an open sperm donor application log. That's not the exact term. Let me get back to the actual term because I'm just making up things. Open donor program, not as wordy, right? So this open donor program is optional and I would get paid $1,000, one full um, lump sum. And right now, if you are a typical sperm donor, you are anonymous, meaning if a woman chooses your sperm to get pregnant off, you will not be contacted further down the road. It is just not possible. Um, it is possible. 
However, you would have to be okay with that, meaning the offspring would request that information to obtain who their biological father is, and then the donor would be notified. So I would be notified if a child was born, made, technically, from my sperm. So biologically, I am that kid's father, and I would it'd be up to me to make a decision if I want to release my information to that child. So it's my choice. The open donor program removes that option. It makes no choice. It means that child could contact the center and the center would give that child my information, no matter what. So hypothetically speaking, right now I am a single man. Hypothetical speaking, in 18 to 20 years, I may get a call, I may get a knock on the door, I might get an email. Who knows how we're gonna be communicating 20 years from now. 2040 is, oh, I can't even think that far ahead with considering how crazy 2020 has been. So, I may be contacted in the future. And hopefully, you know, my aspirations as a man is not to be single forever. I don't wanna be that 50 plus year old bachelor. That's just kind of sad. If that's you, that's not for me. But for me, I think that's kind of sad. I don't want to be that dude, you know, slaying and yeah, I don't need to go there. But you know what I mean. So I don't want to be that 50-plus-year-old bachelor with the bachelor pad on those lonely nights. I'm looking to have a family, be married, have a couple kids, one or two or nine. Kidding, not nine kids. So I have to think about, do I want my future hypothetical wife to receive a call, to get a letter in the mail, to get a knock at the door from a young man or woman saying, uh, if st stone here and I think he's my father. Ooh, uh, awkward. So that is a possibility I'm trying to think down the road. Also, maybe if I have kids and they open the door and they're like, hey, uh, is your dad home? Cause I think he's my dad too. <gasps> Scary thought, right? So these are the thoughts I'm thinking. Obviously, I have thought about this before becoming a sperm donor, but it was my decision. I had the control to decide if I wanna release the information, and that way I could have control of allowing that to take place. Maybe I could set up a meeting, things like that. In this option, I lose that control. It could be an open door for any time, anywhere, any place. And additionally, I have to provide my updated information, meaning obviously most of us don't live in the same location forever. So five years down the road, I'm gonna have to keep in contact with the sperm facility to give them my contact information. And if I don't, they have the ability to use skip tracing. Skip tracing is, for those who don't know, is what collection companies use. Uh, let's say you don't pay your bills, let's say, especially like bigger bills, like student loans and auto loans, uh, they can use script tracing, which can tra track your cell phone, can track your utility bills. They can track pretty much every kind of bill you have in your name, using your social security, using your driver's license number. It, they track everything. Uh, I have used something like skip tracing before for my work. So I am familiar with the process, it's not 100%, but 
if you are a typical American, who, which I am, that has assets, that has property, that has been paying taxes, it's very easy to use skip tracing to obtain updated information. If you don't work, if you don't have any bills, if you're just living under the radar, then skip tracing won't work. That's not me. I pay bills, I pay taxes, I have a job. So there's a reason why I'm using a pseudonym name for privacy. Privacy. I like to say the British style, privacy. I prefer that for some reason. I also prefer to say aluminum instead of aluminum. Aluminum sounds way cooler than aluminum. Again, why I do that, I don't know. Why I'm going on that tangent, I just felt like it, so live with it. So these are the ideas that I have to think about. And I'm 50-50. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I feel, if talking to a couple of my best friends, that $1,000 is just not enough to live with this, have this bag, this doubt, this cloud over me for the foreseeable long-term future. Obviously, this is a possibility, but I don't need it to be so open-minded, so open-ended. I think if it was $500, definitely not doing it. If it was $2,000, I would be more prone to doing it. Maybe 60-40 with 60% being yes, maybe 70% probably being yes. At $1,000, I'm 50-50, almost 40% no, 60% yes. That's kind of where I'm at. But I want to ask you, my listeners, as the listenership has increased the last few weeks, last few episodes... I thank you for listening. I would love for the listenership to continue growing. That'd be great. I am getting listeners now from multiple different countries. I'm also getting listeners from about about a 50-50 breakdown between men and women, which I am very happy, very hopeful that that stays because for the most part, more men listen to podcasts than women. So the fact that I am getting women to listen to my stupid voice. I am ecstatic and I am hopeful that that sticks and remains as the uh, current trend. So this podcast may be meant more for men, but maybe for women who would like to know what the process is for a dude to become a sperm donor and the thoughts that dude has to think about down the road and in the moment. So maybe this was helpful for you, informative, maybe. And if it's not as informative or you thought I was, you know, taking, not being serious about a serious topic, because I do take this seriously, uh, giving birth to a baby, making a baby, using my biological fluids, kind of gross, but so be it, to create a child is one of the most serious things you can do in life. So I do take this seriously. That's why I have to think about this decision to make my openness, my information more open. Also, it's not going to be on a Google search. I'm not going to be, you know, if I do a background check for a future job, it's not going to pop up as one of the first search results. I confirmed that because that was the first thing I thought of. So it would just be the, the mother and or the child could obtain my information much easier than uh, currently as I am an anonymous donor and then the facility would have to reach out to me and I don't have to update my information as much. So it'd be harder for the facility to even reach out to me than the current option of being an open donor. 
So there we go. I'm going to wrap up this episode. And hopefully I would love for the listenership to continue on the upward trend. And I would love for people to contact me on Instagram. Continue to do so. I get a real good kick out of it. I will reply if you have any questions. You can DM me, comment me, whatever it is. I am very interactive. I am not playing games here. I hope you may learn something while still being engaged and entertained. That's the goal. That's why I do all these different types of episodes, all these different types of topics. Sometimes I'll talk about stupid things like, I haven't really talked about anything stupid now that I can think about it. I talk about things I'm not 100% sure on, like the last episode. I talk about things I'm very sure on, like this episode and the the Beirut-Lebanon explosion because I was there two years ago. I have family in Lebanon, so I am very apt with the circumstances in that country. I am very apt regarding the circumstances of becoming and being a sperm donor. So hopefully you like this pod and I hope you continue listening and I hope you follow me on Instagram and I hope you're hopeful and keeping hope in 2020. Sounds silly, but it's incredibly important. So this is Stone signing off. Au revoir.